what is God's influence in the course of things in a nation? How can a nation experience more of God or less of Him in response to the prayers of God's people? Here's a biblical perspective on God, governments and nations. So let's begin first of all by understanding that the Bible tells us that God rules over nations. God is in charge over nations. Look at some scripture here. Oh, with me, thanks. In Acts 17 and verse 26, the Bible says, And he, that's God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God has determined the times of the nations. He determines the rise, the life, and the fall of nations. He determines their boundaries. Do you believe that? See, nothing happens by accident, even when it comes to government or nations. God has determined these things. And the Bible explains to us that God rules or is in authority over nations. Look at some scriptures, and this is not all of them, but here are some of them. In Psalm 22 and verse 28, the Bible says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He rules over the nations. So nations do have their leaders, but there is a leader who is above them. He rules over the nations. Psalm 66, I'm just quoting several verses here. Psalm 66 verse 7. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. His eyes observe the nations. God knows what's going on in the land and across nations. Psalm 103 verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. So while there are earthly governments and earthly kingdoms, there is a kingdom that supersedes all of them and it's God's kingdom. And it, the Bible says so clearly that God rules over all of them. He's authority over the nations, over the governments here on earth. Isaiah the 40th chapter verses 15 and verse 17 says, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. All nations before him are as nothing. And they're counted by him less than nothing and worthless. So God is not intimidated by nations. Now you and I may get intimidated. Sometimes I look at the city of Bangalore and say, God, this is so big. How are we going to reach the city? How are we going to win people in our city? How are we going to impact the city? But God is not in intimidated by the size of our cities or even our nation or the nations of this world. 
he looks at them and says, they're just a little drop in a bucket. He's got authority. He's got power. He, are, he determines the rise and fall of nations. And, and he determines their boundaries. And he's authority over them. So when we begin to think about nations, governments, we need to approach it from this perspective. That first of all, God's an authority. He's greater than the leaders, than those in power, than parties that come into power. He's above them all. And he can rule. He can still carry his purposes, as we will see a little later on in this message. As we talk about God and governments, governments that by governments we mean people in authority over nations and so on. I want us to understand a few things here that the Bible teaches us. First, that God appoints leaders. God appoints leaders. Leaders we mean presidents, prime ministers, over lands, over nations, those who are in authority. For instance, Joseph realized that when he came to power in Egypt, God had sent him there in Genesis 45 and verse 8. He says, you know, God sent me here to, to be in this place and do what I'm doing. He realized it wasn't just coincidence or the act of his brothers, but he saw a greater hand. God sent me here to do this. Similarly, when David became king and took authority over the land of Israel... He said in 2 Samuel 6.21, he said, it's God who took me from being a shepherd to becoming king. God did this for me. God appointed. In Daniel 2 and verse 21, as Daniel prays, and remember the setting, he's praying under a king called Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king. And under that, as Daniel is praying, he says in Daniel 2.21, he says about God, he changes times and seasons. He raises up kings and he removes kings. Daniel acknowledges that it is God who raises up kings and he removes kings. So when we look at our land, when we look at our governments, when we are preparing to pray, let's understand God's authority over the land. That he raises up kings, he removes kings. Later on in that same book in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. When Nebuchadnezzar has his dream and a message comes to him in that dream. Here's the message that God sends to him. This decision is, Daniel 4, 17. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. Who rules in the kingdom of men? It says the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And he sets over it whomever he wills. Even the lowest of men. He can elevate anyone into that place. So really the Bible is telling us, and I'll just look at a couple of more verses, that look, God appoints leaders. God raises people up into this position of authority over lands. 
And we must come to a place that we embrace this truth. That it is God who will raise up leaders in our land. Just a couple of more scriptures on this. When Jesus is standing before Pilate in John 19 verses 10 and 11. Pilate says this to Jesus in verse 10. He says, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? So Pilate's looking at, look, I'm in charge here of this land. I mean, you've reached the highest authority here. Don't you know that I have in my power the, the, the ability to release you or to have you crucified? Jesus doesn't counteract that. Here's what he says. He says in verse 11, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Jesus is acknowledging that Pilate is where he is because someone, because God from above has put him there. Acknowledging that. And then he makes the statement about the fact that there is, there, he continues, he says, therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. He's probably referring either to Judas who betrayed him or Caiaphas, the high priest, who pushed it on further. Saying, look, Pilate, really I recognize that you're in this place because God said to you there. And you have to make a decision as the ruler. But really the sin is not on you, but Judas or Caiaphas who brought me here, theirs is the greater sin. The one who delivered me to you. So Jesus is recognizing that Pilate is in that position or place of authority that was given to him by God. And Pilate is not responsible for what's happening or about to happen to Jesus. There's Judas and the Jews who pushed him there. One more scripture to reinforce this truth that it is God who appoints leaders over our nation. Romans 13.1, Paul writes in Romans 13.1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now think of the context. Paul is writing to believers who are under the Roman government. I mean, there is Caesar Augustus. There is Nero. All these people who are, who later were, I mean, as rulers, they were not kind or godly or any such thing. Romans were in charge of the lands. And yet Paul is writing to believers. Believers, all of us must be subject to Authorities, governing authorities. And he says, I want you to understand that these have been appointed by God. The Romans were in authority over us, are appointed by God. That's the context. So as believers, we must understand the hand of God and believe in the hand of God in appointing leaders over our nation. You guys believe it? Sorry, go past that. Please move on to the next point. <laughs> I'll think about this. <laughs> now, on the one hand, we know that it is God who appoints people in authority over the nation. But 
must also understand that leaders who've been appointed by God may not always walk in the ways of justice and integrity and may end up doing things that are contrary to what God is, uh, uh, what God would like in the land. We must understand that while God raises up leaders, there are two other factors, keep in mind. One is that there are demonic powers that influence leaders and a nation. The Bible makes it so clear that Satan weakens and ruins nations. Isaiah 14 verse 12. That's part of what he does. He weakens and he ruins nations. And he also deceives nations. Revelation 20 verse 3. He deceives nations. He brings entire nations under deep deception and bondage. To drive them into darkness and away from God. And Satan also provokes leaders into evil. Even godly leaders. Think of what the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1. David, a man after God's own heart. The great psalmist of Israel. A man who loved God. Who done all these things. What happens to him in 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1? The Bible says, Satan stood up against Israel. So he wanted to carry out an agenda against the nation. And what did he do? He provoked David to do something God did not want done. Meaning, even godly leaders are provoked, instigated, by demonic powers. And they can do things that God never intended for them to do in the land. Why did Herod kill all the babies in the land? What about other rulers in, in history or leaders in history? And what about leaders in the present who abuse power, who mistreat citizens, who Cause a lot of ruin and destruction to their own nation, to their own people who may have brought them into power. What about them? If Satan could provoke a godly man like David to do something that was not of God, don't you think he would also have his hand and people like Herod and a whole list of other leaders who brought ruin and destruction and all kinds of evil? So while we recognize that God raises up leaders and He empowers them, He gives them gifts and appoints them into this place and He raises even the lowest of men into the places of, uh, place of highest of power on earth, you must understand that there is a spiritual realm that also influences government and leaders and those in authority. The 10th chapter of Daniel gives a vivid description of what's happening in the spiritual realm over nations. 
there are angelic beings and there are demonic powers assigned to nations. Michael is referred to as the prince of Israel. But then there is what the Bible calls as the chief ruler, chief rulers and prince of Greece, of Persia. And there is war in the heavens between these angelic beings that's going on in the 10th chapter of Daniel. Just look at some verses here in Daniel 10 verse 13. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, referring to a, a demonic power, not a human ruler. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is angel, the angel speaking, which stood me 21 days, meaning this demonic power over this kingdom hindered me from reaching you, Daniel. So Daniel was praying, interceding for the lands. But there's things happening in the realm of the spirit. That Daniel is not, an, not aware of. And this angel is ex explaining. Gabriel is explaining to Daniel. This is what's happening. Daniel. The day you prayed. Your prayer came up to heaven. I was sent from heaven to answer your prayer. As you prayed for the nation. And Daniel 9 is praying for the entire nation. But along the way. In the spiritual realm. There is, the angel, there is this demonic power. Over Persia. The chief ruler of Persia. That's, that opposed me. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So referring to Michael, who is the chief prince of Israel. The angel of Israel, coming and helping him. For I had been left alone with the kings of Persia. Then in verse 20 he says, Do you know why I have come to you? Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. Also referring to another power over, over Greece. Coming and uh, 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 opposing him. So, keep in mind, there are demonic powers, angelic beings, and this interaction is going on over nations. As we pray, like Daniel prayed for his land, as we pray for our nation, there, is thing, there are things happening in the spiritual realm, and we are not aware of what's going on. But things happen. The second aspect, in this context of God appointing leaders over nations is that sin brings ruin or disgrace to any nation. While God may appoint leaders, He doesn't control all their choices. He can influence them. We will look at it a little later. But He doesn't control all their choices. So a leader can choose to go in the way of sin and lead an entire nation in parts of sin. And a nation can choose to go in sin. The Bible makes it so clear in Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach or is a disgrace to any people. Sin brings disgrace to any nation. So here's the other dynamic that's involved in, in nations. That if leaders or people in the nation choose the ways of sin... It's bringing disgrace and ruin to their own lands. The second important truth I want us to understand here as we talk about God and governments is that God can and He does move upon the heart of a leader. So whether it's the president, the prime minister, or somebody in authority over a nation, God does influence them in as much as there are demonic powers that try to influence 
people in authority. Look at some scriptures here. In Proverbs 21 and verse 1, the Bible says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The heart of the ruler is in the hand of the Lord. God can turn it. He can guide it as he desires. Perhaps one of the greatest examples in scripture of God moving upon and stirring up the heart of a, of a heathen unsaid or, a, of, or of a ruler who didn't know anything about the God of the Bible is that of Cyrus, king of Persia. After the overthrowing of the Babylonian government and the Medes were in charge for some time and then the Persians took over. And Cyrus is the first king. Interestingly, Isaiah prophesies several years before that. In Isaiah 44 and 45, Isaiah prophesies by name about Cyrus. He says, I'm going to raise up a man. His name is Cyrus. He will do all my pleasure. Now when Isaiah is calling out his name, nobody knows that he's actually a Persian king or he's some other man. Nobody knows who, he, who it is. But here in time comes Cyrus, king of Persia. And the book of Ezra records this for us in Ezra 1 verses 1 to 4. It says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Jeremiah also prophesied the return of, his, of God's people. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. God stirred up his heart. So that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And also put it in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who among you of, uh, uh, among you of all his people, sorry, who is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I mean, this is Cyrus, king of Persia, issuing a decree saying, oh, basically saying, all you Jewish people, I want you to go back to your land because I feel in my heart you need to go back and build your temple. And we will provide the supply. And I'm issuing a decree that people give you gold and silver so you can take it back and build your temple. Isaiah prophesied. Jeremiah prophesied that at the end of 70 years, God's people will go back. How was, how was it going to happen? Isaiah said the man will come called Cyrus. He will do all his pleasure. And so here Cyrus is actually issuing a decree. Whether he himself knows that he is fulfilling prophecy, I don't think he did. He just feels stirred, really stirred in his heart to do that. But what I want you, know, you and I to understand is this. There was a man named Daniel. 
working for King Cyrus. Who in the chapter 9 of the book of Daniel was praying and saying, Oh God, 70 years is over. Please remember your word. Send us back. Daniel was praying. So I would connect his prayer to what was happening in the heart of King Cyrus. Prophecy reveals God's intent. But somebody on earth has to pray. If God's will happened automatically, Jesus would never have taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There would be no need for that statement. It just happened. But because it's important for God's people to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He taught us to do that. So I believe as Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 9. Now remember Daniel was in the courts of the king. He was working for Cyrus at that point. He was praying. God, you said after 70 years, our people will go back. God, forgive us. We, have, we are a miserable people. We have sinned. We've done all the wrong things. But I'm reminding you of your promise. And here comes Cyrus. He says, I feel stirred in my heart to send you people back to your land. Go. I'll help you get back. And go and build your temple. I'll help you do it. So we must believe and we must understand that God moves upon the hearts of leaders. So when we pray, we invite God to move his sovereign hand. Not only to appoint the right leader for us, but also to pray that he will move upon the hearts of leaders so that his purpose can be established in our nation. Amen? That's our responsibility. We have to pray that way. So let's talk a few minutes on prayer and the destiny of a nation, then we'll close. We must understand the importance that, of praying for our nation and praying for leaders. Family of verses, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. This is Solomon dedicating the temple. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their lands. Not only has God promised to forgive the sin of the people, but he promises to heal the land. Do something in the land in response to the prayers of his people. In Psalm Chapter 2 is an interesting psalm. It begins in verse 1 saying, you know, why do the heathens raise and why do the kings raise up uh, uh, against God and against his anointed? Meaning like, you know, the leaders are in rebellion now. The leaders are rebelling against God, the one who appointed them. But then it goes on in verse 7 and 8 and God, uh, God is speaking to the son and that we receive that promise. He says in verse 7, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. 
ask of me, I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So, when there are leaders who are in rebellion against God, when there are leaders who are rising up, up against God's anointed, what's God saying? Ask of me. I'll give you nations for your inheritance. I don't know who India's leader is going to be. We don't know. We'll find out in a few months. But even if you have a leader that's against everything that's about Jesus and, 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 and causes all kinds of things, even if you have a leader who's like Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, we need to read on until verse 7 and 8. What does he say in verse 8? Ask of me. I'll give you nations for your inheritance. Amen? I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Don't get stuck up on verse 1 and 2. So, oh, the heathens are raging and their officials are rising up against our God. Listen, just read on. He says, I've given you nations for your inheritance. Ask of me. The one who is ruler above the ruler of men is saying, I will give you nations for your inheritance. We can pray. We can ask. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2. Paul tells us, he says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So pray for those who are in authority so we can live a peaceful life. And then he continues actually so that because God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I want to close with a few thoughts here on how to pray for leaders. As we are praying, praying for our nation, of course, at this point we pray that God will give us, God will appoint for us the right leader. But here are some things that we can pray for. The Bible brings these out for us. Number one, we need to pray for righteous people in authority and righteousness to be established. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Proverbs 29 verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. So what do we pray for? Pray for righteous people to come into authority. Pray for people who will practice righteousness and righteousness to be established. Number two, we need to pray for godly people as higher officials. The book of Ecclesiastes brings out something interesting here in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8. It says, if you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. For high official watches over high official and higher officials are over them. Meaning, you're seeing what's happening here, but remember there, there's a whole rank of officials going up. And what's on top is trickling down. So our prayer must be, give us higher officials. Give us godly people as higher officials so that godliness, 
justice can trickle down to our land. So we need to deal with the higher officials. Pray that God give us such people in authority who will then trickle down justice and bring, bring peace and righteousness to our lands and cause perversion and oppression to cease. Number three, we need to pray that wicked people will be removed from influencing leaders. Proverbs 25 verse 5 says, Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Pray, say, God, we want good people to surround the leader that you appoint over our land. Remove people who will cause him or cause the leader to go astray. Number four. Pray for God to move on our leaders to execute righteousness and justice. So we know that God can move upon the hearts of people, of leaders. So we pray intentionally for that God move on the leaders, move on their hearts to bring about righteousness and justice. Proverbs 29 verse 4 says, The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows the land. So pray for leaders and authority will will walk in justice, that God will move on our leaders to execute justice. Finally, because we understand the, the possibility of demonic powers influencing leaders and nations, we must exercise our authority, our kingdom authority, to stop demonic powers and what they're doing against our nation and against leaders. Pray for protection for our land. From the influence of demonic powers and their assignments. Pray for leaders. For their protection. We bind here on earth the influence of demonic powers. From releasing their agendas in our nation. Which is ultimately designed to keep our nation from the gospel. So we need to pray. If we as God's people pray. We will see results. But if we fail to pray, it will not influence outcomes. Amen. Now think of this. Through our prayer, we're actually petitioning God who is authority over the land, over nations. We're actually petitioning God who is above leaders. Who has in his power to appoint leaders to pull them down. Who has in his power to influence the hearts and their decisions of leaders. We are petitioning him. We are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are asking him to protect our leaders. We are asking him to protect our land from every scheme and assignment of the enemy. I want us as a church to have a heart for our nation and begin to engage in prayer for our nation, for our government, for people in authority. Amen? Let's rise to our feet. Could we take a moment just to worship God and say, God, we recognize you as highest authority over our land. That it is you, O oh God, 
who raises up leaders and pulls down leaders. That you appointed the times for our nation and the boundaries of our nation. Would you recognize him as Lord, as ruler, as God over our nation? And would we make it our prayer this morning saying, God, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our land. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We want your kingdom to come. Can we just, just want everybody just to pray in your own words, you pray in tongues, you pray in the spirit. Let's just pray over our nation right now. Father, this morning we come to you as a body of believers. Lord, we've heard your words, which declares so clearly to us that it is you who raises up kings and pulls down kings. That it is you who rules in the kingdoms of men. And you give it to whomever you will. And Father, we pray over our nation. We pray over our governments. Lord, we pray that you will bring the right people in power and authority over our nation. We pray you will give us people, God, who are given to righteousness and justice. We pray for your protection on our leaders. Those who come into authority. That God you would cover them and protect them from every demonic influence. We pray that you will move upon their hearts. So that your purposes will be established in our nation, in our lands. And even unknowing unknowingly or even without their understanding God that they will do things and carry out things that will further the cause of your kingdom in our nation. We are praying God that your kingdom come your will be done. Father for it is your will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we are praying towards that for our nation that our nation will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That the gospel will penetrate every city, every town, every village. That people will come into the kingdom of God. As our team leads us here this morning, I just want you to pray. Turn your heart towards God. Just pray for our land. Pray for our nation.
church, you sing it out, let heaven come.
Father, we just pray that we ask, Lord, that you'll raise us up to pray for our nation. And even as you've said, ask of me, and I will give you nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. We pray that the church will arise and take this land as an inheritance. We pray your kingdom come, Lord, and your will be established throughout this land. Stir our hearts to pray. Stir our hearts to cry out to you for our city and for our nation. Lord, we ask for your hand upon our nation, God, upon our government. Let righteousness be established, let justice flow. And let your kingdom come, your will be done. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One prayer as I was getting ready with this message was that God would pour out His Spirit of prayer upon us. Amen. And we will respond to this message by saying, I'm going to pray for my land. Whether you're driving around the street or traveling around the land, where we pray, we will respond by praying. And we carry that in our hearts all the time. God. I'm praying for my city. I'm praying for my nation. Amen. Let's close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up His countenance on you. And give you His peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.